Chapter Two of Molly Brown's Junior Days by Nell Speed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Minerva Higgins. There's only one thing worse than a faculty call down, and that's a Beta Phi freeze out, remarked Judy Keen one Saturday afternoon, a few weeks after the opening day of college. Why do you bring up disagreeable subjects, Judy? Have you been getting a call down? asked Katherine Williams. Not your old Auntie Judy, replied the other. I'm far too wise for that after two years' experience, but I saw someone else get one of the most flattening, extinguishing, crushing call-downs ever received by an inmate of this asylum for young ladies. And they do tell me it was followed soon after by another one. Do tell, exclaimed an interested chorus. It was at fresh Miss Higgins from Ohio, continued Judy, with some enjoyment of the curiosity she was exciting. You know she's always trying to attract the attention of the masses. We being the masses, interrupted Edith, and stand in the limelight. She's bright, I hear, very bright, but she knows it. I recognized her type almost immediately, said Catherine. She's one of those brightest girls in the high school pride of the town kind. Exactly, answered Judy. She has been regarded as a prodigy for so long that she doesn't understand the relative difference between a freshman and a senior. I honestly believe she thought everybody in Wellington knew all about her, and she wears as many gold medals on her chest as a field marshal on dress parade. We saw the gold medals on Sunday, interposed Molly. I think it's rather pathetic myself. She is more to be pitied than scorned, because, of course, she doesn't know any better. She'll have to live and learn, then, said Judy. Get to the point of your story, Judy. Who extinguished her? ejaculated Margaret Wakefield, impatient of such slipshod methods of narration. How can I tell a tale when I'm interrupted by forty people at once? exclaimed Judy. Besides, I haven't the gift of language like you, old suffragette. Margaret laughed. She was entirely good-natured over the jibes of her friends about her passion for universal suffrage. Well, the Beta Phi crowd of seniors, went on Judy, were walking across the campus in a row. I don't suppose Miss Higgins had any way to know this soon in the game that they represented the triple extract of concentrated exclusiveness at Wellington. Anyhow, she knows it now. She came rushing up behind them and gave Rosamond a light, friendly slap on the back. If you could have seen Rosamond's face. But Miss Higgins was entirely dense. She began something about, Hello, girls, have you heard the news about Prexy? But she never got any further. Rosamond gave her the most freezing look I ever saw from a human eye. What did she say? That was it. She never said anything. Nobody said anything. Eloise Blair carries tortoise-shell lorgnettes. She doesn't need them, broke in Nance. She only does it to make herself more haughty. Anyway, Eloise raised the lorgnettes. Poor Miss Higgins, cried Molly. There was perfect silence for about a minute. Then they all walked on, leaving little Higgins standing alone in the middle of the campus. And where were you? asked Margaret. Oh, I was with the seniors, answered Judy, flushing slightly. I had been over to Beta Phi to see Rosamond about something. It was impossible for Judy's friends not to make an amiable, unspoken guess as to why she had visited the Beta Phi Circle. It had been evident for some time that she was working to get into the Shakespeareans, 
the most exclusive dramatic club in college. There was an awkward silence as this thought flashed through their minds. Molly felt embarrassed for her chum. After all, she was no worse than Margaret Wakefield, who had managed to get herself elected three years in succession as president of her class. What was the other extinguisher Miss Higgins had, Judy? asked Molly. Oh, yes, that was even worse. It came from your particular friend, Professor Green. She interrupted him in the middle of a lecture with one of those unnecessary questions new girls ask to show how much they know. And then she said something about methods at Milltown High School. Really? chorused the voices. And what did he say? He looked very much bored and replied that they were not interested in Milltown High School and he would be obliged if she would pay attention to the lecture. It was a public rebuke, nothing more nor less. The mean thing, exclaimed Molly. Now, Molly, interposed Margaret, you know very well that girls of that type ought to be taken down. They are never tolerated at college. A conceited boy at college is always thoroughly hazed until there's not a drop of conceit left, and it does him good. And since we can't haze, we simply have to extinguish a fresh freshie. Miss Higgins may develop into a very nice girl in a year or two, but at present she's the veriest little upstart. Do be careful, said Molly cautiously. I've invited her this afternoon to drink tea. Molly Brown, they cried, pummeling her with sofa cushions and beating her with her own slippers. Really, Molly, you must restrain your inviting habits, said Judy. I'm sorry, apologized poor Molly. Why did you do it, pray? You know perfectly well no one here wants her. I know it, but I was sorry for her. She seemed so brash and lonesome at the same time. I thought it might help her some to mingle with a few fine, intelligent, well-bred girls like you. Here, here, don't try to get out of it that way. She appears to be very learned, continued Molly, turning her blue eyes innocently from one to the other. I thought it would be nice to pit her against Margaret and Edith. She discusses deep subjects and uses big words I can only dimly guess the meaning of. There was a tap at the door. Now, be nice, please. Come in, called Nance in a tone of authority, and Minerva Higgins appeared in their midst. She had done honor to the occasion by putting on a taffeta silk of indigo blue and by pinning on some of her most conspicuous gold medals acquired at intervals during her early education. Judy shook her head over the indigo blue. Only certain minds could wear it, she thought. Molly rose, but before she could frame a cordial greeting, the new guest was saying, How do you do, Molly? Awfully nice of you to ask me. You don't mind my calling you by your first name, do you? My name is Minerva, but the girls at Milltown High School call me Minnie. I hope you'll do the same. I shall be glad to, answered Molly, rather taken back by this sudden intimacy. After she had performed all necessary introductions, wicked Catherine Williams remarked, Minnie is a very charming name, but I insist on calling you Minerva after the goddess of wisdom. She never wore gold medals, but then it wasn't the fashion among the early Greeks. Minerva's face was the picture of complacency. In Greece, she would have been Athene, she observed. There was a loud clearing of throats, and Judy, as usual, was seized with a violent fit of coughing. Sit down here, Miss Higgins. I mean Minnie, said Molly hastily. The tea will be ready in a minute. You have been to college before, Minerva? asked Edith Williams solemnly. 
minerva looked somewhat surprised oh no not college i am just out of high school milltown high school is a very wonderful educational institution you know perhaps you have heard of it a diploma from there will admit a girl into any of the best colleges in the country i could have gone to a private school my father is a professor of greek at the academy in milltown but i preferred to take advantage of the high standards of the high school which are even higher than those of the academy i suppose your father's taste in greek caused him to name you minerva observed judy but minerva isn't greek julia admonished Catherine. again molly interceded it was cruel to make fun of the poor girl although there was no denying that minerva had a high opinion of herself have a sandwich she said soothingly there was a long interval of silence while minerva crunched her sandwich your life at milltown high school must have been one grand triumphal progress judging from your medals miss higgins said edith williams finally minerva glanced proudly down at the awards of merit there are a good many of them she observed with a smile that was almost more than they could stand and there are more of them still i've won one or two medals each year ever since i started to school but i don't like to wear them all at once that's very modest of you are you going to specialize on any subjects miss higgins asked margaret wakefield really meaning to be kind and lead the girl away from topics which made her appear ridiculous biology i think but i am interested in comparative philology too and after i skim through a little greek and latin i intend to take up some of the ancient languages sanskrit and hebrew was it possible that minerva was making game of them they regarded her suspiciously but she seemed sublimely unconscious why not study also the ancient tongue of the basque asked edith quite gravely that would be interesting replied minerva but i want to get through this little college course first molly batted her heavenly eyes and suddenly burst out laughing excuse me she said i didn't mean to be rude but the course at wellington doesn't seem so small to us we have to study all the time and then just barely pull through i've almost flunked twice in mathematics i wish i could call it a little course ah well we are not all minervas observed margaret some of us are just ordinary schoolgirls learning the rudiments of education we have not had the advantages of milltown high school and if any of us have won gold medals we never show them this measured rebuff however had no more effect on minerva's impervious vanity than a cup of water dashed against a granite boulder she was already up wandering about the room boldly examining the girl's belongings ostentatiously reading the titles of books aloud plays by moliere oh yes i read them in the original two years ago they're easy green's short history of the english people very interesting book the broad highway i never read fiction only biography and history edith williams stretched at her ease on the divan gave an inaudible groan and turned her face to the wall molly glanced helplessly about her the primavera that's by botticelli went on the girl infatuated by her own intelligence good artist but i don't care for the old masters as a general thing they are always out of drawing Catherine rolled her eyes up into her head until only the whites could be seen which gave her the horrible aspect of a corpse there was a long and eloquent silence 
presently minerva took her departure and molly hospitable to the last gasp saw her to the door and invited her to come again with the door safely locked and minerva out of earshot there was a general collapse nobody laughed but the room was filled with painful sounds moans and groans judy pretended to faint on top of edith and molly sat in a remote corner of the room somehow they felt beaten vanquished i am sore all over with repressed emotions cried judy i couldn't stand another seance like that does she know as much as she claims asked nance of course not exclaimed margaret irritably if she really knew she wouldn't claim anything it's only ignorant people who boast of knowledge i suppose she has been looked up to for so long that she regards herself as a fountain of wisdom she must be taken down said edith firmly this mustn't be allowed to go on at wellington but hazing isn't allowed put in molly not by hazing goosey by some homely little practical joke that will show herself to herself as others see her all right consented molly she felt indeed that something should be done to save poor minerva higgins from eternal ridicule if anybody has suggestions to make here announced margaret wakefield self-constituted chairman of all committees impromptu or otherwise they may be stated in writing or announced by word of mouth tomorrow night in our rooms at a fudge party accepted they cried in one breath in the meantime minerva higgins was riding home to her mother that she had been if not the guest of honor almost that at a junior tea and had found the girls rather interesting though poor talkers in fact it was necessary to do almost all the talking herself End of chapter 2. Recording by D.R. Baker Robinson.